Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Your host, Dustin Lunt here. Hope everyone is doing well this fine evening. And my co-host, Jake Trowbridge. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing so good, I'm going to chant my own name. Jake, 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 Jake. Because since you weren't going to do it for me, apparently, yeah. I have to do everything myself. Uh, no, Dustin, I'm doing, I'm doing incredible. You know why? Because I'm still elated from the good bit of news I got yesterday, and I still haven't come down from it. And you got the same bit of good news yesterday. Have you come down from it? I really have not, no. And and you're the only one that understands my excitement here. Uh, my wife does not. She could care less, which I don't blame her, to be honest. But, uh, but clarify, yes. To clarify, the good news that came down uh, was from Scott Fish himself, mm-hmm. the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Fish. Uh, both made it into the Scott Fish Bowl uh, for mm-hmm. 2020, which is pretty goddamn exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. Uh, I, I was, I saw the email at work come through, and thank God I had my door closed for my office because I literally started jumping up and down. <laughs> I I like that so much. I did uh, these kind of short fist pumps um, from from side to side. That uh, they were they were good. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't jumping up and down good. Um, I had to, I had to restrain myself. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a cool idea, cool concept, incredible mm-hmm. league. We've been watching from the outskirts here, um, kind of seeing it unfold the last couple of years as we've gotten more and more into fantasy football. Mm-hmm. And awesome cause, awesome uh, league to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very honored and very excited, and uh, I can't wait to see what league I end up in. Uh, I signed up for the Clue uh, division. <gasps> very excited. Yeah. Did, uh, did you put your preference for one? I put a preference in. I, I, I almost didn't because I was like, well, you know, at this point, I truly don't care what division I get put in. I'm just excited to be a part of the show in general. But I did put down Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Nice. Um, you know why? Because I went tier by tier and they do show you how many people signed up for each uh, each area. And that mm-hmm. one was a little lower. Um, so I, I went for it. Yeah, I wanted to do like Transformers or G.I. Joe or, you know, one of the real good ones from my childhood. Uh, but those obviously had a ton, a ton of people with that being their preference. So I'm like, I'm going to go for one that's not quite as uh, popular. And I saw Clue and I was like, it's one of my favorite movies. Got to go for it. I like where your head was at, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what are we drinking tonight? Well, what are you drinking, Jake? I'm drinking one of my homebrews this evening. Uh, oh, you went homebrew. I did go homebrew. Uh, I'm drinking my passion fruit Berliner Weiss. Okay, I have to tell the people here, because I got to try the passion fruit Berliner Weiss. Uh, and I got the non-passion fruit version of it uh, a couple weeks back, which was delightful anyways. So these are lower ABV beers. They're like near mm-hmm. sours. Yeah, uh, like 4%. Yeah, yeah, and they're kind of sour, they're kind of tart. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the regular version was great, but I had the passion fruit version just a couple of days ago. Oh my goodness! Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, that was good. It has a lingering aftertaste that's just mwah, fucking beautiful. Um, so I hope you make more of it. Is what I'm saying. Oh, I definitely will be. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying something not not that good, but uh, still still good nonetheless. It's from Door County Brewing, so just up north a couple hours there. Um, it's the Little Sister Wit Beer, Ooh. coming in at 5.4%. It's light. It's just a little bit like a, was it, coriander? Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of vibe. It's good. I like it. Yeah, I've had that before. That is a really good beer. 
Yeah, I also like the very uh, old-fashioned logo, which is it looks to be like a lady from about the '50s era, I would say, on a on a big old bicycle, and she has angel wings. So I don't know what the interpretation is, but uh, it's it's a head scratcher and it's like a puzzle, and I can't stop looking at it. Well, I hope it doesn't distract you from our episode this evening because we've got a good we'll one. We do. You are absolutely correct mm-hmm. in that. We do have a great episode. I will not let it be a distraction. All right, good. But yes, we are talking AFC West Divisional Breakdown this week. Uh, we do have a very special guest. We've got Jim Nastic from the True North FFB pod. Uh, We've got the fantastic Jim Nastic. Yes. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Uh, but first things first, before we get our host on, we should do our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week, huh? Yes, we should. All right, lay it on me. This week's drunk trade is just a, it's a whammy. So this one comes in from Carpentier NFL on Twitter. Sounds French. I think it's, I'm going to say it's either French or just misspelled Carpenter, but I don't know what's going on. But lean on the French side for right now. So this drunk trade, uh, he says, or she says, I got Russell Wilson for Kyle Rudolph two years ago in a 12-team, Superflex, tight end premium, 53-man roster league. Ooh. Let's take a breath and let all that sink in here. I had you at Russell Wilson for Kyle Rudolph, though, did I not? You did. What? Well, what do you what do you even say to a trade like that? Uh, I, I think the follow up uh, says it all. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Uh, follow up is the next day. The owner, uh, obviously not the person submitting this, the owner was like, "Man, I can't believe I made that trade. I was a six pack of IPAs deep." Sounds about oh, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's an excuse. A six pack of IPAs deep, and and it makes you do that. I think you take a break from from drinking at that point. Or that's where you're at. Or maybe you have to drink more, build up a tolerance. Yeah, that's true. It's a it's a one or the other. It, Not everyone's a, from Wisconsin here, where we have a just built-in tolerance in our bloodstream. I guess they do give it to you along with your state ID mm-hmm. when you cross the border here. <laughs> they do. Um, <laughs> but the, so the last bit of this, uh, our our submitter says, "I felt bad, but he sent it as a counter, so I took it." Oh, yeah. yeah, you got what it. A, what a good trade partner. They they submitted this awful trade. Of course you mm-hmm. click accept. Of course. Of course you do. Six-pack or no six-pack. But wipe away even all of the extras here. The 12-team, um, super flex, giant roster, tight end premium. Just Russell Wilson for Kyle Rudolph in any league. Please oh. don't let that happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is just... Oh, that's painful. <laughs> I'm going to say this person was a six-pack of IPAs deep if this person also weighed 43 pounds. That That's very well could be. It. Yeah. I'm rating it as such. Okay. Well, do we have any other business to take care of here before we uh, bring Jim on? I think the only business is to bring on our fantastic guest. All right. We will be right back. We're back with our very special guest this week, Jim Nastic from the True North FFB. How are you doing, Jim? Good. Good. I'm doing actually uh, really well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, no. Really Thank excited. you for coming on. We appreciate it. So why don't you oh, tell yeah. our listeners a little bit about yourself uh, before we head into the uh, AFC West here? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just a regular guy that uh, I like to call myself more of, of a, a fanalist than an analyst because, uh, I don't know, I, I'm a big KC fan, but uh, big 
big football fan in general, uh, just just a regular guy. I uh, started writing. I was uh, writing a lot of stuff for my buddies, just asking me a couple notes in, in some fantasy leagues, and then I, I got to got got the courage up one day to start writing and, and actually posting it, so other people besides uh, non-league mates could see. And uh, my buddy, or sorry, not my buddy, a guy who's now my buddy, uh, Travis Travis Seal TCL14 on Twitter asked me if I could uh, join the True North Fantasy Football crew, and then I've uh, never looked back. So I'm really excited to be a part of that team and really thankful for him for uh, extending it out for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And, you know, I think everybody can relate because we all pretty much got started as fans or fanless, if you want to say that. Like, we, we started mm-hmm. this podcast just for our league mates, and then uh, eventually, slowly, you branch out, and you get a little confidence. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, I can, I can say shit out loud to people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Definitely excited. Yeah, well, so, should we get right into it here? Oh yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's do this. All right, so we'll start with uh, Kansas City, uh, as it is your team here, our Homer's Corner, as we like to call it. Uh, so Kansas City uh, only, and I use only in quotations, uh, lost uh, Lashawn McCoy. Uh, they picked up Damian Williams' option on this season and re-signed Demarcus Robinson. Really, the only notable free agent uh, additions for their team. Um, Sammy Watkins also restructured his deal to stay. Oh, that's right. That's right. If you want he to call what? that an addition to a team, I guess <laughs> we can say Sammy Watkins. No, we're going to talk did, a lot about he, Sam. We're going to talk a lot about. He Sam. did a lot for the uh, for the Super Bowl run. So mm-hmm. I mean, sure. I think he was worth every penny. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then uh, their only notable offensive draft pick uh, was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which everybody loves. So. Um, Jim, why don't we start off with your uh, thoughts here about Kansas City this season? Uh, well, what I'm going to say, I guess, uh, like what I have here in the notes is like they're the kings of the West until they're not anymore, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they were they were 12 and four. I actually have them projected for another 12 and four, potentially 13 and three season if there's no fans for that uh, home opener. Uh, I, I think they'll have a win because uh, they're crazy on the road. Like they were 12 and four, but they were five and three at home. Which was nuts to me. They were seven and one on the road. Wow! But like I said, they're they're um, they're the kings of the West until they're not because they're they're six and zero in division play in 2019. And uh, a crazy stat that I when I was looking into it is since 2015 they're actually 26 and three against division opponents, and they've only lost once to each division opponent. They've never lost twice. That's wild. That's absolutely absurd. What's crazy about the, the AFC West is like in the last 10 years, there's only been actually two division winners. Uh, it's been KC and Denver splitting the time, which is which is absolutely nuts. Uh, but like I said, like they're, they're the kings of the West until, until they're not. Uh, I'm a big fan of Sammy Watkins. I know a lot of a lot of Buffalo Bills fans aren't because of uh, the Lynn's Frank injury and, and all that. But, like, I dug, I dug a little deeper into that, and I read a lot of articles on, on Sammy and a couple interviews, and he just said Buffalo wasn't the really the, the right place for him. He was he was going out drinking a lot with his buddies and uh, just wasn't in a football football type of mindset in Buffalo. So, like I said, he's really turned it around. He, sh- he like uh, he knows he's it's a second chance for him. So, like I said, I'm a big fan of him. Worth every penny when you when you uh, hoist that Vince Lombardi trophy. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I'll, I'll take the restructured deal for him, and uh, I'm happy to have him because he's a killer wide receiver three on 
uh, on a on a on a squad because I I kind of take Travis Kelsey more as a wide receiver too than uh, because just of a sheer dominance in, uh, in targets. So that, that's just me. Yeah, it's so funny that you call Sammy Watkins a you know a quality wide receiver three because from a fantasy perspective, like on that team, I absolutely agree. And I don't know your thoughts this year, which we'll absolutely get into, but. Um, it's so crazy because I did not realize until planning for this episode that Sammy Watkins led all receivers, Travis Kelsey not included, but all wide receivers in targets last year. Just by a nose, you know, he was just one up on Tyreek Hill. Um, but that, that absolutely blew my goddamn mind because as a fantasy investor for Sammy Watkins, if you remove, obviously, everybody talks about that one giant opening game that he had against Jacksonville where he put up every single touchdown. And, uh, and he put up no, no bullshit. He put up like more than a quarter of his yards in that game for the season, which is just, again, absurd. But if you take that out, you know, it's, he absolutely, you said that, you know, in the playoffs, especially though, he came back, he proved himself, he proved his worth to the team, which is why they reinvested in him. But so going forward, so you say he's, he's kind of like the wide receiver three. What are your expectations for Santa this year then? Uh, my expectations for Sammy Watkins. Let's see if I can pull them up. They're not really great. I'll, I'll give them. I'll tell them that. Like they're not huge numbers I have for him, but uh, he gets you the wins that that matter, right? He gets open, mm-hmm. and like that's another thing. Like he's crazy. Uh, he's crazy good when it comes to the end zone, right? Like even look at his time with the Rams. Uh, he had a lot of touchdowns for not a lot of like you know what I mean, like. Oh, he was good. He was really good. He he's a viable player that can be counted on when 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 needed is uh what what I appreciate about him. But like he doesn't need like the problem with Buffalo and even with the Rams to a point like they try to make him a wide receiver one a little bit a couple weeks. Uh, he's not the focal point. He can't take uh a team and, and put it on his back like uh, Tyree Kill can. Like he can he can he can turn the game around right. Like you've seen it. Same with uh, Travis Kelsey. It's good about him and good about with the Chiefs fit, especially now when you add uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire into the mix. Uh, is you you can't double team any one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like even even look at the game. Uh, Demarcus Robinson went off, right? Like you don't know which streak it was going to be. As long as you're linked to Patrick Mahomes, I think uh, you could be a potential viable fantasy option. I mean, pick your week outside of uh, Hill and Kelsey. That's as good as a dice roll. But uh, outside of best ball, but like I said, if you're linked to Patrick Mahomes anybody's going to be fantasy viable and it was shown with demarcus robinson it's been shown with sammy Watkins. it's been shown with uh really like just anybody in the backfield becomes fantasy relevant if uh if if they're back there because you're threatened from the past that's it and you can't double team any one option when you have uh travis kelsey who's by the way the, the king of tight ends when it comes to <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, he's, well he's been the, the number one tight end for four years in a row uh, and uh, my dynasty wide receiver one, Tyreek Hill. That's right. I said it. The uh, wide receiver one? I have him as the dynasty wide receiver one to own okay. ahead of Michael Thomas. Absolutely. Uh, it's not even that far-fetched, I don't think. I think he's actually wide receiver two in the ADP, if I look. Yeah, he's wide receiver two right now in uh, June ADP. He jumped Devontae Adams. He was wide receiver three in May. I feel like but anybody yeah, I, I, putting anybody besides Michael Thomas as their wide receiver one is treated with, with hot hands. You know, you got to put the gloves <laughs> on to handle that. Um, but I, I, I hear you. I, I am with you because I am, I'm a little bit down on Michael Thomas uh, just from we've talked about it previously, but the addition of uh, Emmanuel Sanders there I mm-hmm. think is going to actually cap him just a little bit. So I can totally see a path for Tyreek. 
I it's not even the Sanders that who by the way is another wide receiver getting disrespected on a completely other level. Um, uh-huh. It's the link to a young quarterback. I, I'm not putting anything against Drew Brees, but he's on the decline in his career, and Patrick Mahomes is on a meteoric rise, right? Like he is on a rocket ship to the top. Like he's the face of the franchise, uh, pretty much the face of the NFL, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's why I have Tyreek Hill. I know there's off-field issues that seem to drive people away from him, but uh, let's let's just call let's just call the ace in the hole what it is like. He's a wide receiver one. You know you can count on him when he's in your lineups. You know if you have him on a team, you're not selling him low. Uh, he, everything about him screams that he he's a wide receiver one, and he's being taken as a wide receiver one. So I don't see why he's being taken ahead of Michael Thomas, who's linked to an older QB. I'm not going to say a worse QB, but an older QB. And, and Drew Brees, because it's dynasty, right? Like it's a... Uh, it's not season long. I'm not talking about season long here, right? Like, I'm in this for one, two, three years uh, trying to flip a roster. I'm not really looking past three, but I'm looking at a three-year window, and I think Tyreek Hill puts up more points over that three-year window than Michael Thomas, so that's why he's my dynasty wide receiver one. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Now, do we want to talk, because you are, have alluded to, do we want to talk about that backfield see what's what's going on because um, justin i don't know about you but i'm very excited to get an outside actually not outside outside of us <laughs> insider really perspective on that situation between damian williams who some people are still holding a torch for uh, they should for 2020 for 2020 they should okay. for 2020 i think they should for 2020 i think they should so you what, think so damian you... is going to be the start off as the lead back there and edward solaire is going to be uh, Peppered I think in. it's going to be like a for 2020. I think it's going to be like a 1A 1B situation where uh, it's going to be like a 50 50 split, and I think there's going to be a lot of people surprised that are going to be holding the bag. Not even really holding the bag, because again, I think 2021, like it's going to be see uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire's backfield, but they're going to be shocked at how much work I think Damian Williams gets peppered into. Uh, Andy Reid trusts him, right? Like Andy Reid trusts mm-hmm. him. Look, look what he did for the Super Bowl. Again, like mm-hmm. I understand, he could be, uh, he could be looked at as a like a, a biasy issue with you know last game played. He obviously put up some numbers, but uh, and I understand that there is an investment and that Pat Mahomes specifically likes Clyde Edwards Hilaire, considering the rumor is he is the one that put the bug in the ear to make the pick. Because I'll be honest, boys, I didn't even see that happening. I actually saw, not that I didn't see. Kansas City investing in a running back. I did, but I actually and I. It's funny. I had Clyde Edwards-Helaire as the first running back off the board. I just had him in the second round. I had uh, I had Kansas City trading out of the thirty-two to uh, QBDD team Interesting. to move up. Well, Andy Reid doesn't take. That's the highest he's ever taken a running back ever. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Uh, I think the highest before that was I think Shady McCoy at 53. If I don't, if I'm right on that, I'm not 100, percent but I'm pretty sure his highest was Shady. But uh, I didn't I didn't have him picking him back in the in the first. But I mean Pat Mahomes wants him. Pat Mahomes apparently said that 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 he wants him on the team. But I don't, and I understand the investment on a first round pick. But it's almost beautiful that they do have that first rounder in them because they have the fifth year option now mm-hmm. on yep. him. So it doesn't really matter on the on the wasted first year. Really, you can kind of uh, save his juice, use the fifth year option on him, and still get your full four years as if you selected him in the second or third round. Which mm-hmm. is uh, another thing that like Andy Reid's a very smart coach. Like he's not an idiot. 
uh, they're, they're, there's a reason he's highly regarded and uh, a very high win total as a coach, right? Like, so he knows what he's doing. He knows how to get the best of his players, and like, he doesn't care about fantasy football. Let's let's put that <laughs> to rest. If anybody thinks no, he does, it's frustrating. He that, doesn't. I write him letters all the time, telling him like, <laughs> care about fantasy football a little bit more, Andy, for the love of God, and he won't do it. He just won't do it. But no. so do no. you think? There, I think the, the perspective with Damian Williams, the thing that's scaring people away, and maybe not rightfully so, but it's just he, he gets he's gotten injured the last couple of years. And so anytime that that happens, I think that's just natural that that knocks people down a peg for the following year because you just have that that lingering thought about it. But it's not as if he's injury prone or anything like that. It's not like it's been accumulative, the same injuries over and over. Uh, it's just been a little bit of bad luck, you know. I appreciate you uh, you saying that that it isn't like because I don't really like injury prone either like especially like uh, Carson Wentz another guy that seems to get it but none of the injuries are related to another it's just like you said bad luck so to to label uh, another guy that used to get called injury prone he isn't anymore but uh, he seems to disappear from fantasy benches for a couple weeks every every once in a while as Keenan Allen that was another guy early in his career mm-hmm. he got busted as injury prone. I mean, for what a lacerated kidney—that's a—that's a fluke injury. <laughs> I think that actually happened to Hunter Henry too, right? Lacerated yeah. kidney. Yeah, that's that so. weird to happen in the same organization for two players. They got to get their kidney guys in check, man. They whoever the is in charge of kidneys over there. But uh, but like I said, going back to Damian Williams, um, I was just pulling up his ADP, and would you guys agree that you could potentially get uh, RB one weeks out of Damian Williams? Oh, absolutely. Weeks, I agree with. Yes. Yep. Week, not RB1 overall, but RB1 weeks mm-hmm. that he could produce. Absolutely. Would you take an RB1 week producing or running back in the 11th round of a Dynasty Superflex? Yeah, I'd be yeah. okay with that. So would I. Obviously, that, depending that. on some other thing, right, depending on context and whatever. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with that investment. I mean, compared to where he was going last year around this time, which was still fairly high, even considering what the injury happened, it was certainly higher than that. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you want to know who C. Uh, Clyde edwards is actually going? It's funny. They've, they've, they're the exact same spot in ADP for May and June, who, and he's going with a with a true lead back in the same division same guy like do you know who he's going with uh-uh josh jacobs interesting Ooh. okay i justin we have a well-documented i do not love josh jacobs i'm not a giant fan of josh jacobs um and it's weird to me that people are not off of josh jacobs the way that they were kind of off of Miles sanders for a bit they're coming back around but i don't know so that's very strange dustin if you had to one for one just this year, redraft, Damian Williams or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, let's just say hypothetically by the time the season rolls around, their ADP is the same for some reason. Who would you want? <laughs> um, I would probably take Edwards-Hilaire just for the upside. Uh, and as already been said, you know, that's the guy that Mahomes wanted. So I have a feeling he'll end up uh, getting he'll, – he'll get, he'll get his opportunities. Let's put it that way. Damian Williams does catch more passes, I think, than people give him credit for, too. I, I got to give him a does. little bit more respect on that, because I think the the anticipation is that he'll come in and CEH will take over all of that, which I don't think is true, but interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He is the only back in this class that had 50 receptions uh, coming in into this draft class, mm-hmm. uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was the only one last year that had 50 receptions. 
Yeah. That is impressive. Yeah. It's a and, lot and for college. show it in college, obviously. It, it translates typically fairly smoothly for those guys. So that, okay, well, let's talk about the big attraction, can we? Patrick Mahomes? Oh, yeah. yeah. So is there any chance, is there any chance that he is not, just this year even, is there any chance he's not a top two QB for fantasy? Um, barring injury? <laughs> yeah, then no. If, if he's 100% healthy for 16 games, I I don't see how he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And especially if this is like, if this is four point passing TDs, uh, I still have him in it. If it's six point, I have him like well ahead of Lamar Jackson if it's six point passing TDs. But yeah, I I have him. I have him number number one. I mean, maybe it's a homer pick, but. Um, the guy threw 50 touchdowns uh, in his first full season and was a Super Bowl MVP in his second. So, I mean, I, I don't know what else he has to do. Yeah, the throws this guy can make are just unbelievable. They're mad in S. Like, it's just pin- <laughs> the pinpoint accuracy and just it's it's so much fun to watch him play. And the thing is, everybody, well, we on this podcast were talking about last year in the offseason. It's, it's going to be natural for some regression to hit Patrick Mahomes, going from his basically rookie year, his first full season, to last year. It was called, like, there was going to be some statistical regression because 50 touchdowns is not replicable. Like, you just can't do that year over year. Well, the regression happened, and he still kicked ass. Uh, obviously, he missed some time, and that hurt his, you know, end of year uh, overall ranking a little bit, but um, I would assume maybe maybe I'm crazy, but right, it's reasonable he could hit 40 touchdowns again this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely he could, especially since like there isn't a real stone hand receiver on that team, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can all catch balls that have been thrown to him, and he trusts them all. That's like that's the thing that Pat Mahomes has that I've been saying to my buddies that Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have in in his uh, wide receiver group is, is trust. Mm-hmm. He, Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust his wide receiver group outside of Devontae Adams. Pat Mahomes trusts them. So I like, believe that, we, know like, we know that way too well. We know that way too well. I'm like, oh man, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Like a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, kind of soured on him, and I can kind of see why. But like, the organization never really gave him any weapons, and like, it's really frustrating to me that they they keep like trying to hit gold in the fifth and sixth round with wide receivers like Justin Fast one time and Fast one time and a wide receiver. Ugh. It's killing me. It is. Just because you got lucky one time with Donald Driver in the seventh round doesn't mean that it's going to happen every year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dustin, anything that you want to touch on still with with Kansas City? Uh, I guess just let's touch on Kelsey briefly here. I mean, no arguments, number one overall tight end, uh, but more of a dynasty dynasty, outlook. As two. Uh, Kittle. Fair. That was a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> for for redraft, though, he's number one. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely, and I and I and I acknowledge the fact that he could finish number one again this year. Mm-hmm. But again, like I said, dynasty for me is a three year window, and I think over those three years, Kittle is going to produce more. Yeah. Do you see a decline starting to happen? Maybe not this year, but next year. I know we've kind of reached that age thirty cliff for tight ends. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't really see a decline with him. Uh, I see him more going like the Tony Gonzalez route uh, or, um, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? 
like a Gates, like an Antonio Gates. Yeah, Antonio Gates. Like I see them going like like that type of route, right? Like Antonio Gates or or Tony Gonzalez. Or but I do see a decline happening, but not in the physical stance. I see it in a market share standpoint, Mm -hmm. where Pat Mahomes is going to throw the ball a little bit more, spread the ball a little bit around more, and he might be used more as a decoy, Mm -hmm. where he's going to garner a little more attention. Where and Clyde Edwards-Helaire is going to eat up a little bit, especially in 2021. But like that—that's what I see. I don't see a physical declining of him. I, d- I definitely do see a market share decline of him. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's just me. Hell, they might even try to trade him, right? I don't know. Oof. You never know. Green Bay come a calling. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> certainly in the market for one. All right. Any last uh, thoughts about Casey here before we move on? Um. No, not really. I have I have them, um, like I said, at twelve and four wins again, and I have them rolling the division with another six wins in the division. But I mean, that could just be that could just be absurd for me thinking. But I don't know. I guess I got to see them lose before I, yeah. before I have them lose in the division. Yeah, I don't think that's just, absurd at crazy. all. That was a very well reasoned Homer's Corner. Mm-hmm. Now, now you get to unleash <laughs> all of your vitriol towards all the rest of these goddamn teams here. Yeah, so let's. I, uh, like I said, I don't hate any of these teams. Like, there's there's talent. Like, there's a lot of talent here. It's crazy. This division's talented. Yeah, it seems like a, a lot of the other teams here are trying to copy what Kansas City is doing just to be able to keep up with them offensively. Yeah, that's what I was saying at the draft for the uh, Broncos. To be honest with you, I saw once they hit. Um, once they traded for Melvin, or sorry, not traded. Uh, once they signed Melvin Gordon and then took Jerry Judy, uh, I saw a lot of similarities uh, between what they're trying to run and what Kansas City's trying to run. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I th- also thought it was very, very funny. The inner Al Davis spirit must be alive at work because uh, when Henry Ruggs went off the board there, that's a total Al Davis pick, right? Like speed mm-hmm. kills. Um, it's funny too. I thought I could see him going as the first wide receiver. I didn't. I didn't put any money on that though, uh, just because again, like speed in the NFL, it's crazy. Like they're all trying to look for the next Tyreek, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not just speed with Tyreek. If you slow down his tape, and I'm not really a tape guy because again, uh, guys say it to me like there's a lot of better tape evaluators than, than me in the business, so I'm not gonna even tilt my own horn that I am. But I do watch a lot of football. Uh, if you slow it down with Tyreek, like he's He's precise on his – like there's no wasted movements when it comes to his footwork. Uh, he gets quick on the toes of a corner if you're going to try to give him a little bit of space. Like he, he eats it quick. Like it's – so it's not just speed though, but it is a lot of technique. Um, I'm not so much sure with the hands. Like I said, I'm not a film guy, but but like, oh, my God. It's not just speed with, Ty- with Tyreek is, is what I'm trying to get at. And uh, the NFL really has to, I think, like – reevaluate that right like i'd rather have a slower guy that wins on technique than just a speed speed receiver right mm-hmm. but that, i don't know well speaking of broncos let's let's talk denver justin do you want to run through what uh what denver did or didn't do really in the yeah season? yeah and um i can't believe jake that you put this in as a notable loss but uh joe flacco is no longer with the team uh, i don't have know that <laughs> as a person <laughs> Uh, but as we talked about, they added Melvin Gordon, uh, Nick Vanette, and then aforementioned Jerry Judy drafted by them, uh, KJ Hambler and Albert Akumbawamban. I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. A-OK. Akwagbanam? 
I'm gonna go. You know, with... I have no, I have no idea how to say his name, but I know uh, Ty from, yeah, Albert O. Albert A. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the running backs here. Let's start with with that situation because. I was really surprised that they signed Gordon uh, just with what Philip Lindsay has done there the last couple of years. I mean, over a thousand yards, two years in a row uh, for an undrafted running back. I mean, that's just not something you see every day. And, and I just, I don't really understand the move that much. No, yeah, you nailed it. I don't, I don't understand it either. Um, everything that Gordon does, Philip Lindsay does a little better. Right, like, um, how many one thousand yard receive or uh, rushing guards has Melvin Gordon had in the league? You know, I'm gonna guess one. two. <laughs> no, it was one. Do you know how many sixteen game seasons Melvin Gordon's played in the league? <laughs> that I know the answer to. Yeah. All on me, all on me. But that I mean, yeah. into each other, right? I mean, obviously, um, those are know, the same hard, seasons. Hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a vol. He's but he's a volume back, right? His yards per carry are actually terrible. Uh, they're three point five, three point nine, three point nine, and then a monster five point one, and then back down to three point eight. Like he relies on volume. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take out that five point one yards per carry season, it like obviously drops down to like around three point eight, right? Three point seven. Um, but like I said, Philip Lindsay, like you said, he just does everything better. He catches the ball just like Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon always misses time for you. Usually it's uh, week 15 or 16 when you really, really need him. He's going down, and then uh, you're going all of a sudden for third place instead of first place. It's uh, very, very frustrating. Uh, but uh, like, it's, like, like that, that's when you need him, right? Like you mm-hmm. need him there. Yeah, yeah, he gets you there. But then, like, I'm sorry. I don't really care for uh, my entry fee back and a cookie. I'm I'm going for big cheese when I when I'm playing, <laughs> you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, like that's that's mm-hmm. the whole point. That's the whole ride, the, the, the thrill of fantasy football. But like he does everything better. Uh, his yards per carry are are five point four as a rookie. Now I understand that's that's a little construed because it was only eight games played when in, uh, he didn't get the run because of Royce Freeman. But then last year, and he still had the thousand yards, which is crazy, right? Like only on the eight, and he still has the thousand. Um, or sorry, eight games started, but uh. Then when he go give him the full sixteen, and he was at four point five. Like again, that's crushing what Melvin Gordon's ever given for you. Mm-hmm. And and even like when I was talking about Melvin Gordon, like those three three point nine, three point nines, like those are during like shortened shortened seasons. Those aren't sixteen game seasons either, right? So like even with Lindsey doing the five point fours, it's not as construed, I guess, as as one would look because some of these are only eleven game seasons by Melvin Gordon. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy the disrespect that they're giving this undrafted free mm-hmm. agent, right? Like, I nicknamed him the Thrill, Phil the Thrill Lindsay, because uh, every time, every time he gets the ball in his hands, right? Like, my heart, my heart is palpitating. Like, it is. It's racing. I'm excited to see what he what he can do. Uh, and I wasn't even on him either as a as a as a rookie. Like, I was touting Royce Freeman, and I'll take the loss on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my good friend uh, Jeff Gallucci actually. Um, got me on philip Lindsay, and it was a little thing he said no no it's gonna be phil and i said what makes you think about it and he said when he asked terrell owens if he could wear his number that sold it for him now that might not be the <laughs> best fantasy advice that i've ever heard in my life but he was right this time so <laughs> there just to ask for that number and like no as an mm-hmm. undrafted guy coming in like i got this don't worry oh i couldn't believe mm-hmm. it so i picked him up in a few leagues and like again like thank thank you jeff Gallucci for 
for that uh, piece of advice as a rookie because I definitely, definitely wouldn't have wouldn't have seen him or, or been on been on him at all. But he's he's a total outlier. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. the question for this backfield then at this point, so Rice Freeman is still technically there. I think that there's a strong chance that he gets moved closer to the season or near the very start of the season. Um, but it, let's suppose that it's just Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay back there. Does Melvin Gordon coming to town, and I I would certainly argue that he's a better pass catcher than Royce Freeman was with this team. Um, slightly better than Royce Freeman just as a pure runner. But honestly, I think Freeman gets a little bit of disrespect in that realm as well. But so how how much does he cut into Philip Lindsay's uh, pass catching ceiling, and how much does he cut down on his touchdown upside? Touchdown upside, I think he cuts into a lot because Melvin Gordon, for some reason, is a guy that like hits those double-digit TDs for you, right? Like opposed for that rookie year where again, fluky, doesn't score a single touchdown on the ground. Um, he's dominant. Like he's got a, he's he's like a toucan, right? He has a nose for the end zone. Like it's crazy. Um, so that's where he's making up for this crappy yards per like yards per carry that he's giving you a 3.9, and like he needs the 250 carries a season, which is another reason I'm a little concerned on like the wear and tear on his body because he's not like for a guy that can catch passes, even though it wasn't showcased in Wisconsin, that was a big knock on him coming out. Uh, he doesn't avoid contact very gracefully. I've noticed with with Melvin Gordon, like he takes some unnecessary hits. So I don't really know how um, how much longer he can really sustain it on the body. But again, I guess you can say was five years in the league, but really like only four or like three point nine with all the games he's missed. But um, yeah, his touchdown upside's capped. I actually think they both cannibalize each other. Where I'm not, <clears throat> they, I have it written down here. Was uh, one guy I'm actually looking at in the backfield, and you touched on it, and I loved it, Jake. Was was Royce Freeman? I'm definitely taking dart shots on him, and not for being in the Denver backfield. I think he is going to get shipped because he does seem to be the odd man out. And like you pointed out, and it was another great observation and point was like he gets a little disrespected on the on the cat on the catching ability. I don't think he's that much worse than Melvin Gordon. I actually think he's pretty good. Um, so I think he's uh, if they can get a right package of him, they're not just going to let him go for free. I, I understand that, but he can go on some nice places, man. Like there's some, there are some teams that could use mm-hmm. a running back. I would, I would definitely say. Yeah, he had Tampa a solidly, um, <laughs> he had a solid season last year. Uh, considering he didn't get that many chances, uh, I know that just because I have him on one of my teams, and I was actually able to use him as a as a flex play uh in multiple weeks there because uh, he seemed to go off there for about a month where he was he was usable every week so the talent's there i just don't understand what he did to be in the doghouse with that team it's it's um, i don't really think he did anything to be in the doghouse i think it was an injury i think it was a high ankle sprain and then that just is kind of Wally pipped himself out, right? Where um, <laughs> Wally Pip gets sick, Lou Gehrig steps in, Lou Gehrig doesn't miss another game. Mm-hmm. Um, Royce Freeman gets hurt, or the Philip Lindsay steps in. Philip Lindsay runs away with the show. Like you literally couldn't find a reason to take Phil off. He did everything mm-hmm. that Royce did. That was it. Wasn't I? Don't think he really shit in anybody's cornflakes or anything like that. I just I think it was literally just an injury. And that is bad because he, he just can't seem to get ahead of it now because mm-hmm. they've shown, like, this undrafted free agent wouldn't have had that opportunity coming in. Never. Mm-hmm. Never would have. So it's un- it's unfortunate. So so what do we do with our wide receivers then? Um, I'm, n- I'm nervous. Can I say I'm, I'm not even cautiously optimistic? I'm just cautious? 
with the wide receivers? Uh, yeah, I'm cautious too. <laughs> I'm cautious too because the guy, um, the guy I would be grabbing in this offense because uh, he was targeted the most. Uh, by by Drew Locke in, in his five starts would be Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton has proven to be, I would say, quarterback proof with uh, Joe Flacco and still putting up numbers, uh, coming in with a rookie mm-hmm. and not seeing anything. Like those are two completely different play stylers with uh, Drew Drew Locke and Joe Flacco and still being able to adjust. Now I didn't really like his yards per uh, his AYA numbers with Drew Locke. Um, Noah Fant actually had the best AYA with with Drew Locke looking at it, but he only had 14 targets. So like again, that's that's construed, right? It's not as big a sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't like about, uh, but like I said, sorry, what I do like about Corlin Sutton is is uh, he doesn't he doesn't really need to separate to win. He doesn't need the speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I remember hearing in the in his rookie year the joke in in Denver. Uh, Denver camp was a 50-50 ball was an 80-20 ball when uh, Cortland Sutton was going up for it because he just snatches the balls away from people. Um, I like him. I was big on Cortland Sutton. Uh, I was big on him coming out as a rookie at SMU. I was watching tape on him. Actually, the game I was watching on him beat me to Gabriel Davis, who's the Buffalo Bills wide receiver, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, (laughs) Uh, I I liked I I just I like Corlin Sutton like he's he's a big alpha wide receiver. Um, the guy that actually scouted him and did the numbers for Denver did the same thing for Houston the year that they drafted DeAndre Hopkins, and he said the closest prospects he's ever seen to DeAndre Hopkins was Corlin Sutton. That's so huge. I was it's yeah. a very high very very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying he's going to be Nuke at all but when your ceiling is nuke those are amazing possibilities uh and like it's, he's he's good like he's quarterback proof i don't 100 percent like his adp um because of the guys he's going around are uh but i'll take him at it i'll take him only because the guys he's going around are dk metcalf and um kenny galladay are the two guys that he's going around in superflex uh trap or superflex adps and <clears throat> i'm a big tyler lockett guy because uh, he, he's crazy red zone efficient, and I'm a mm-hmm. big Marvin Jones Jr. guy. I know he's big, like big uh, boomer bust guy, but he's another red zone guy. So just for that sheer fact, I seem to be grabbing him a little bit more because I'm passing on the Metcalfs and I'm passing on um, the Kenny Galladay's. I want other pieces of those offense. Uh, so I, love I seem Kenny to be. Galladay. I like Kenny Galladay too, but I'd, I'd rather take a cheaper Marvin Jones when he's seen the same amount of uh, red zone touchdowns as. Michael Thomas did last year with eight, and he did it in three full or three less games, eight less targets, and six less catches. I'm worried about him just from like an aging perspective and the the body like breaking down perspective. But I definitely agree. Like when he's out there, I love he's Marvin Jones, but I do love Kenny Galladay yeah. as well. But Portland Sutton versus um, versus Kenny Galladay, just even from like a PPR redraft standpoint, um, is an interesting place to find yourself. You know, because that means there's probably a lot yeah. more beyond that, though, that you could still grab. So that's that's interesting. I I would be actually trying to trade out, uh, depending on my roster building, right? Like if I know I'm looking for a wide receiver there, I'd probably be looking to move back a little bit and just have the other player take that um, decision away from me. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I mean, I'll just take the other one. Sure. Um, when it when it comes to when it comes to the players like that. But yeah, I, I love Sutton. I'm, I'm I'm pretty high on him, but I also know that I can get out on him. Uh, now doesn't seem to be the time because of that Jerry Judy hit. 
mm-hmm. he's taking a little bit of a depre- the depression in his trade value. But like I said, week one or week two, I don't have their – let me see. Week one or week two, where are they playing? I expect him to put up at least one good game or those two games. And then – where is it? Here it is. Uh, against the Titans on Monday night, I expect him to have a pretty good game. Or against the Steelers on the road. Um, and then you can his trade value will go up, and I I think you could probably flip him, flip him again. But Jerry I don't Judy's think his trade value will go higher than it is. Jerry Judy is an interesting yeah. one because these rookie I don't know what your methodology is for this. Me and Dustin talked about this a whole lot, but like I don't draft rookie wide receivers for dynasty. I just I just never do. Um, the the chances to me of hitting those guys year one is. So slight, even for a lot of the high draft pick guys, I would much rather wait it out, wait for that second year depression like you're talking about where it inevitably goes down because people get impatient, or at least the people I'm in leagues with, I should say. They get impatient, and then I can go ahead and add them to my, my roster in year two, um, especially with this potentially abbreviated offseason with all of the COVID stuff happening. I'm worried more than ever about rookie wide receivers. So what do we feel about for Judy for this year even? Um, I'm not touching them. Uh, I'm not touching them. Uh, like I said, out of any of those guys, I'm taking Sutton. But I, I am like you. Uh, I'm kind of hesitant to say this because I'm still trying to in, in negotiations to try to acquire this guy. So I don't want, I don't want the guy <laughs> I'm, I'm in negotiations with hearing this. But don't post the link for a couple of days to the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope I actually hope to close it before this before this gets released. So, um. My biggest dynasty offseason wide receiver buy this year is Nikhil Harry. My biggest one. And it's for the reasons you just nailed on. People right are drafting him at the 102, the 103, last year in rookie drafts. They got upset because they didn't give immediate production, even though rookie wide receivers in New England never give you immediate production. Never. Um, and now they're, like, left scrambling and just selling cheap, right? So, like, to be honest, the, the real deal I'm trying to make um, – uh, is so I traded for for Will Fuller pretty fast. Um, it got it got thrown up. Uh, Will Fuller and a fourth. Uh, for my second, so I was like, all right, like I'll do that, no problem, right? Like I'll take that. I don't even really need the wide receiver, but the boom and bust weeks, and I know there's interest in them. So immediately the guy's like, oh, I wanted, I wanted him. He goes, do you like to kill Harry? Yes, I do. He's actually the guy I prefer <laughs> than Will Fuller. So then he's like, okay. And then he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, he goes, I have Harry valued a little bit more than Fuller. Would you do Fuller in a second or something like that? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Then he wanted like Fuller and Van Jefferson, which uh, I probably should just pull the trigger on that for, for Nikhil Harry. But I kind of got a little greedy and I asked for a draft pick back. So now we're at the point where he wants like Quentin Cephas, and I'm very high on him. That's another guy I'm not willing to trade. Nice. He's my Marvin Jones uh, Jr. plan for 2021. There you go. Who nice. I have on this team as well. So anyway, I'm hoping. Actually, you know, I should probably just get back to him right now, and or after this is done, and say, I'll take, I'll take Nikhil, I'll take Nikhil Harry and the uh, Nikhil Harry for for Will Fuller and uh, whoever the hell he wanted. I don't even care anymore. Uh, yeah, I want, I want to kill Harry, man. Mm-hmm. I love it. So J- Jerry Judy, back to your question, I guess, is is a guy that I'm going to keep tabs on. Uh, it might blow your mind, but I have – he wasn't my rookie wide receiver one, and he wasn't my rookie wide receiver two pre- or post-draft. Okay. Uh, they, they did not change. He wasn't even my rookie wide receiver three. Wow. My ball's there. Uh, he was my rookie wide receiver four. Um, 
oh. coming in. And I actually think all three of the guys I had ranked ahead of him uh, did land in better spots. So yay on me, Barry Horowitz on the back. <laughs> um, but those, those wide receivers uh, were C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, and Justin Jefferson were my were my one, two, and three. Uh, but Jerry Judy is a guy that I'm going to be watching. He is talented. Kind of got discounted for having so many options at Alabama. Was he a true wide receiver one? Didn't have the wide receiver dominance? Well, you've never really seen uh, dominator rating from uh, anybody that had so many weapons in college. I've never even seen so many weapons uh in the wide receiver room in a, in a college before. So he's a guy I'm watching. Talent-wise, he's definitely there. Uh, I'm watching these crazy videos he's posting where he's kicking his legs out again, and I don't really like that style, but that's fine. Um, the talent's there. So I'm going to try to Nikhil Harry him in 2021 is what I'm getting at. I want to try to pick him like up for it. like a second and uh, a booming a booming wide receiver like, like like a Will Fuller who can put up some points. I love that. Mm-hmm. D- yeah. Dustin, are you ready for a hot take? Let's hear it. The guy throwing him the ball is going to finish outside the top 12 quarterbacks this year. Drew Locke. Everybody is big on Drew Locke. And I think that wow. you are from the face that I just got from Jim here. But I am <laughs> out on Drew Locke for, for 2020. Yeah, so am I. Wow. Can I ask why you guys are out on him? Is it his ADP? At his ADP, I'm out on him as well, for sure. Like, I'm just not going to draft him this year. It, it, it won't be. And I think his ADP will only climb the closer we get to the season. Um, it's just that young, untested hype, and everybody's the next Pat Mahomes when they come in and take over a team, especially when you take over for a guy like Paul Blacko. Um, but he, his weapons are good. Cortland Sutton, good. Noah Fant, I really like. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about him much, but I really like Noah Fant. But Jerry Judy, like, I'm not expecting a big improvement f- from him. Uh, the Melvin Gordon thing, I don't think improves Drew Locke all that much this year. I think he's going to be perfectly okay, but I am not perfectly okay with him as my quarterback on my on my team this year. Dustin, what are your thoughts on on Drew? Yeah, I'm not high on him either, and it's not because I dislike the talents or the opportunity with this team. Uh, the quarterbacks are just so deep right now, and there's so much talent at the quarterback position that uh, he just by default ends up falling further down my rankings. Where do you have him currently? Is he is he even in your top 15? No. And we actually made a beer bet on this a few weeks back that he would be outside, that I didn't think he'd finish top 15 this season. It, oh, I forgot we made that. I kind of yeah. regret that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I'll stick. I'll, I'll say he will finish between wide receivers 13 and 15 then. How about that? That's going to be my range for him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, no offense, I don't know. Noah, I like Noah Fant for a dynasty guy. He's I prefer him to TJ Hawkinson. I think is, is that hot? No, that's that's it's mm-hmm. pretty that's pretty standard. I think right now, at least for mm-hmm. me, it is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question for you guys though. So, um, say you're in a dynasty startup, Superflex. How would you build your first four rounds if you were picking from the ninth spot? Ooh, Justin, I'll let you take this. That's oddly specific. <laughs> it is very oddly specific. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite spots. Um, let's see here. In the first round, I'm uh, just pulling up some ADP here. Um, I would probably come close to hitting zero RB, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Just based on where you're, you're gonna miss out on that initial stud by the time you're at nine. Like that true locked-in r- running back, I met all of them to fly off before that. 
Um, so you don't think Joe Mixon's a true lockdown stud? No, no, I actually don't. And I have, I have had so many Twitter debates about this, but I really, I don't, I don't get it. And I know that's not the division we're talking about right now, but I don't see what everybody else sees, and that could just, could just be a tape deficiency on my part for sure. But I, yeah, I, I don't see the fantasy stud uh, locked in. I should say stud. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, um, I'm looking at fantasydata.com here for uh, ADP, and right now they've got Elliott at 8, Watson at 9, Adams 10, Hopkins, Wilson, Chubb. Um, If Elliott fell, I would snag him in a heartbeat, Uh, but I would have no problem either taking Adams or Hopkins at that point with my first pick. Homer pick. Would you take Elliott... Would you take Elliot now with the COVID news? Yeah, I'd wait out. See, I want the info. I want to know exactly what he has, what variation of it he has, what the effects are going to be for him because it's so specific. So I'd be, I'd be waiting on some more info. But if I'm doing it right now, I don't think I could I could do it. Now, the the reason I asked for for the for the 109 spot there was like I don't know if you guys uh, really know, but I'm. I kind of hammer quarterbacks a lot. I've been known for it a little bit. Uh, it's, it's super flex startups. Like uh, one spot I've done from the 101, I hammered like Pat Mahomes, uh, Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G, first five rounds. And then I rounded it off with like Todd Gurley and uh, Damian Williams in like the 11th. But anyway, the reason I'm asking because like most people aren't like me and they don't hammer quarterbacks early uh, and then they pay for it. But um, if you were to hammer out, say, uh, I'm going to say stud in quotation marks, running back at Joe Mixon at nine, <laughs> you could also double back and hit a, a wide receiver to the caliber of uh, a Mike Evans coming back in, in round two. Mm-hmm. You could double that back again with, with a Josh Jacobs or, no, sorry, not Josh Jacobs, uh, an Allen Robinson in round three going. And then you could come back round four with another running back. Uh, I mean, you don't have to take David Montgomery, even though he's locked in for like 225 touches, which is crazy. Very true. Um, but the point is, at, at your 509, you could slam Drew Locke as as your QB1. And I don't see why people are so high on Dak slamming him to the QB3 and pushing Drew Locke down to – checks my notes qb20 um (laughs) when the same thing has happened one drafted cd lamb and all of a sudden they're going bananas Mm -hmm. uh the other one drafts jerry judy and all of a sudden he's not doesn't doesn't get an amazing person uh in in, in his wide receiver room like what Uh i'm saying is like uh i don't see really that much difference uh fantasy wise for sure because amari cooper to me is one of the biggest boom bust wide receivers ever seen in my life uh, I don't see any real difference between those two uh, wide receiver groups. Uh, I don't see any difference between the tight end groups. Maybe Denver has the advantage there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the overall wide receiver or running back room, not the running back one with Zeke. Zeke is obviously a tear ahead. But the overall running back room, I don't see that big of a difference. I actually see Denver having a, a better running back room with, with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I actually think Philip Lindsay, like we talked about, is better. Well, I love Tony Pollard, so I'm already I'm already so do I. on 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 that backfield than most. But for me, it's proven production versus what is supposed production with mm-hmm. Drew Locke. And the supposed production that I'm seeing from Drew Locke, it's just it's too hard for me to lump him in right now to just say, "Yep, the kid's got it." 
Like, and obviously, it's small sample size, end of the season, you get thrust in there. It, not everybody's going to uh, Patrick Mahomes it. Not everybody's going to come out firing immediately. Um, and so it could just take some time to adjust, but I'm just, I'm, I'm weary about it as well. But you did bring up a name that I want to talk about, Dustin. Smooth transition. Boom. Las Vegas Raiders, baby. Josh Jacobs. I'm not that high on Josh Jacobs. Can somebody sell me on Josh Jacobs? I can't. Um, <laughs> he's got an uncontested real backfield. I mean, who's behind him? Well, the problem is he still has Jalen Richard behind him, which he had last year, and he siphoned off too much of the target share for me to want Josh Jacobs at his current ADP is my only – just at ADP, like I'm just not super sold on Jacobs for that reason. And they did say – who did they just draft? Well, Dustin, do you want to give the rundown of, of some additions that they brought in? Lynn Bowden, Jr. Yeah. Yep. So he could be mm-hmm. – Backfield addition. That's how they say they want to use him, right? Um, yeah, year one, they're going to use him as a running back. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't see him being used in the uh, passing game, unfortunately. He's going to get the carries. Like, I don't I don't see any doubt about that. It'll be like a Derrick Henry light, basically, where he's going to get all the rushes and none of the pass catches. And now Raiders brought in not a it's not an unsubstantial amount of talent for via the draft and via free agency. I personally think that this has a really good. They have a great wide receiver core potentially, assuming that their draft picks hit the way that I think they could hit with Rubs and Brian Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know everybody hates pterodactyl arms, Nelson Aguilar, but they did add him. They did add Jason Witten just as some uh, insurance at the tight end position. We have, on this podcast, made a beer bet. In fact, we just did it last episode, me and Dustin. So there's all the talent in the world. Quarterback currently, right now, is Derek Carr. Now, I don't believe that Derek Carr maintains that role throughout the entire season. They brought in Marcus Mariota, and I think, wow, I'm getting a thumbs up from Jim here. Do you think it's reasonable that Marcus Mariota takes over at some point? Yeah, absolutely. It's reasonable that he takes over at some point. Uh, just look what they paid him. Uh, they both, they can, I mean, they can cut Mariota in 2021 with no dead cap. And, uh, they can cut, I think it's, they can cut Carr with only 7 million dead cap, which is crazy for the contract that he ended up signing. Um, mm-hmm. Carr wasn't Gruden's guy. Carr wasn't drafted by Mike Mayock. But do you know who Mike Mayock was very high on in his draft class? Marcus Mariota. He loved Marcus Mariota. Um, I like Marcus Mariota. I think Marcus Mariota fits better with that offense than Derek Carr does. Uh, I don't want to sound like though, but like I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not high on Derek Carr, man. Like I think Marcus Mariota wasn't given any favors. Having I think he had what four offensive coordinators or quarterback coaches in four years. Like he had mm-hmm. to learn like four different systems. It was crazy. Like you're not giving the guy any any favors they also try to like slam a square peg into a round hole is what i like to say where um you see what baltimore did with lamar jackson they they flipped mm-hmm. their offense on its head mm-hmm. and they built it around lamar jackson um tennessee when marcus mariota came in uh tried to make marcus mariota fit into what they wanted him to be and not what he was comfortable running to begin anyway like why weren't you taking the oregon offense when he came in as a rookie and, and running that offense with him more more so. Like, you saw he was athletic. He, you saw him run, I think it was like a 90-yard touchdown mm-hmm. uh, or 80, 85 or something crazy. Like, he was spinning. He was juking. He was pushing guys away. Like, 
he was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson for one game. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, not, not, not really, but he has a talent. He has a talent. Uh, he's shown it in, in college. I don't think he was given any favors in the NFL level yet whatsoever. Um, I love it. And I, I think, I think Mike may, yeah, that's sorry guys. I think Mike Mayock is going to set him up to, to win. Uh, he's the guy they want, right? And so, and apparently John Gruden must have wanted him because they're not doing anything with uh, his his approval as well. Because let's face it, like he's locked in for another seven, eight, ten, eight years. 13, 110 <laughs> years. Like who knows what they're doing? The NFL, I, I think, is when his contract fires out. Um, yeah, yeah, so like he's there. Like I'm picking him up uh, wherever I can in dynasty leagues, just as a stash. Because again, I expect him to take over at some point. I think about midway through the season could very well be uh, Mariota, and then you get plenty of games. Um, tight ends. Can we talk about Darren Waller, Dustin? Where do you have Darren Waller ranked for tight ends for this year? I've got him right now uh, projected at the tight end eight on the season. Uh, that feels right to me. Yeah, I, I, last year was just crazy. Uh, they, they really had no one else on their team uh, for Carr to throw to. Uh, and obviously they addressed that in the draft and through free agency. And I just don't see him being the focal point this season again. Well, and they started kind of leaning on Hunter Renfro a little bit more. And then you saw Waller, mm-hmm. his production dip. Um, and now they brought in Jason Witten. I have documented my opinions on Jason Witten thoroughly at this point. <laughs> I don't think he's anything for fantasy, uh, but but he's a guy that's going to eat into just a teensy tiny bit. You don't just bring in a tight end to be educational for the other tight ends. You bring him in because you have a plan to use him a little bit. I don't know. I, don't love tight ends. I, I feel like that all the uh, TV stations pooled money together to pay the Raiders so that they could pay Jason Witten just to not be in the booth. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he was terrible. Um, Which is reason he was terrible. You know what's actually crazy too is um, so I was looking at when I was looking at the tight ends, like so Kelsey's obviously going uh, one or two, but then the six, seven, and eight are the three remaining tight ends in this division in in the DLF ADP. It is uh, Henry was six, Waller was seven, and then they flipped from May to June, and then Fant stayed at eight. Like it was crazy. And the other crazy thing that I think about it is, like, outside of the top two, maybe three tight ends, depending on if you want to slap Mark Andrews or Zach Ertz, depending on which one you got there, uh, like, it's bunched. Like, tight end four through 12, like, you can wait a long time from the four to the 12, mm-hmm. and the point value production isn't that far off. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm waiting. I, like, if I'm not grabbing a, an elite tight end – I'm perfectly fine with, with waiting. I'm actually not grabbing any of these guys. I would not personally. do the middle tight ends. We just we had JJ Zacharyson on a couple of weeks ago, and his dictum is like, "Don't mess with the middle tight ends." It was the Vance mm-hmm. McDonald situation from last year. Like, don't that's fool's gold at that mm-hmm. range. Yeah, wait it out. Well, and Dustin, you're big on a guy like Johnny Smith, and and he's obviously going to be hanging around those mm-hmm. fringes. But yeah, you're passing. Everybody here, I think, we're all passing on Darren Waller. It sounds like at his current ADP. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, they all have question marks, right? Like Darren Waller is going to lose market share. Uh, Hunter Henry and Mike Williams do the same thing in the same in the same field. So which one of them is it going to be? Uh, and, what, and then yeah, no. The, yeah, right. And then yeah, that's right. And then Noah Fant has uh, Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton, even though he has the highest well, AYA. Uh, you guys aren't really high on Drew Locke. 
apparently I am, which I, I wish I would have known a little bit more about that before coming on. <laughs> um, yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, so I'm, I'm personally passing all these guys. And, and Jonu Smith is a guy I like, and I like actually pairing him with. There's two other. Well, my number one tight end I'm grabbing late is Irv Smith Jr. I seem to talk about him anytime I can. I can get a chance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I'm, I'm usually hitting. I'm trying to hit him with Jonu Smith or Gerald Everett is going really late. There's a lot of Tyler Higby love right now and. See, people seem to be forgetting about Gerald Everett, mm-hmm. and like Higby came on when Everett went down, not the other way around. Yep. So yep. Like, I'm I'm right there with you, right there with you. I don't understand all that Higby love right now. You've been driving that yeah. train on Twitter. You've been you've been all about the Everett hype, mm-hmm. and the responses have not been kind. No, <laughs> and that's all right. No, I don't. I rarely say it now out loud that Gerald <laughs> Everett could be a decent tight end because I get like really bad looks. Uh-huh. Like, You're an idiot comes out of people's mouths. But and funny funny fact actually, Gerald Everett was Sean McVay's first ever draft pick. Mm-hmm. Ever I, compared I him to, and I hope he's wrong, Jordan Reed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he could have been everything if not for all those, you know, hits to the head. Could have been, yeah, been everything. Absolutely. Uh, we were, all right, let's let's hit the Chargers, eh, Dustin? We were kind of hinting around them already. Mm-hmm. Oh, the only team to not win a division game last year. It's crazy in this division. They went zero and six. They're That's terrible. rough. That's so rough. <laughs> terrible. And how um, much? How much of that? Additions? Who, me? No. Dustin. Yeah, they got him. Huh? You want to talk us through who, who they added and who they lost in the offseason? Yeah, so uh, they got rid of, or I shouldn't say got rid of, they, they lost uh, Philip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, and Travis Benjamin. Uh, they brought in, or not really brought in, but signed Austin Eckler to the extension and uh, franchised Hunter Henry. And then for the draft, they brought in Justin Herbert, the heir apparent, uh, Josh Kelly, Joe Reed, and KJ Hill. Uh, so I want to start uh, talking about, or you were saying how you know they didn't win any division games and they just didn't really look great last year. Was that a bigger function of Philip Rivers or just the team in general? Uh. I don't want to shit on Philip Rivers. I actually uh, want to shit maybe on the offensive line. They don't. They haven't given any time. Uh, I think that's another guy I think is going to shock people. In in uh, Andy is, is Phil right? Like they got a good offensive line. He's gonna he's gonna show the guys that he still has what it takes in there. Um, what I think uh, was there besides the offensive line uh, is it seems to be the story of the Chargers, and it, it's it's heartbreaking losses by three or less points, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they had five losses by three or less points in 2019. That's oh. that's insane. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. And, yeah. and, and, and as a like, team, they just they can't seem to, to stay healthy. They should be in, too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And they added nobody, really, for competition. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. They added nobody for competition, really, for running back, though. I don't feel. I, I don't know. Joshua Kelly seems like a meh draft pick. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe that. I'm sure he's a lovely person. I'm sure that he will be a solid enough option if they need him to. I don't think he's he, – he's nothing that makes me worried about Austin Eckler is what I really want to get to. I really want to get your guys' opinions on Austin Eckler with that big signing. Go ahead, Jim. I think he's going to disappoint people that are drafting him at his current ADP. 
I really do. I don't think he's going to have as many targets in the passing game as he did with Phillip Rivers with the checkdowns. Um, I I think this offense is actually going to run through Tyrod Taylor for a little bit. Anthony Lynn likes Tyrod Taylor. Uh, they have a history together. Uh, Tyrod Taylor isn't like uh, – well, he's a game-managing quarterback. He isn't going to put you in too many positions to, to lose a game, but – he isn't also going to put you in positions to like really win games. Like I said, he's not he's not going to put you in positions that are going to lose you games though. Like he'll keep you in them. Um, they have familiarity with each other. I do think he's going to get uh, overdrafted. I think he is getting overdrafted. He's going currently as the RB thirteen. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. You were talking about Joshua Kelly, and I don't actually see him touching the backfield. Uh, I think they got I think they got a more competent back and uh, jo- um, Justin Jackson. Jackson. Justin mm-hmm. Jackson. I almost said Josh Jackson. Uh, yeah, Justin Jackson, uh, and I think he's more uh, more suited for goal line work than than Austin Eckler. That was one fault that I, last year I had with Austin. Even when they brought Melvin Gordon back, or Melvin Gordon came back, they kept giving Austin Eckler these looks on the goal line, and he kept either like getting stuffed or fumbling the ball, and it was frustrating, <laughs> very very frustrating. Like just that, like let Melvin Gordon run the ball and like. Like it was crazy, and I don't—I actually don't think he had any rushing touchdowns after Melvin Gordon came back in. I think the opportunities he got, he, he got stuffed or fumbled, and then Melvin Gordon punched it in. Like he's not—he's not a goal line back. Mm-hmm. So like even with the signing, I think they're going to quickly uh, realize again that that Justin Jackson is going to be their goal line back at least for this year until uh, Kelly's uh, accumulated to the NFL because. Let's just like let's just be fair, right? I don't. I think he's gonna have a tough time uh, coming into the NFL and and really transitioning well, especially with that terrible offensive line. Like they're not they're not gonna give him any favors. Uh, it's not like he's going into like a Tennessee or uh, even even Las Vegas has has a better offensive line. They have a really good offensive line, right? Where they're gonna they're gonna create yards for your running back. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna really see the the field as much. But that's, mm-hmm. that's just me. I, interesting. Yeah. You, you believe that Tyrod's gonna start the majority of the time too, Dustin? Where are you falling with the quarterbacks? Uh, I think it's gonna be probably a split. I think Tyrod will start the season as their uh, quarterback, but. Um, I think once they figure out that they're not going anywhere real fast, they'll bring in Herbert and uh, let him just get the reps in. See, I actually kind of hope that Tyrod starts the majority of it too, but I actually think that would be a bonus for Austin Eckler because I think there's a world where this could be very close to like the 2017 Buffalo Bills team where Tyrod, he, uh, yeah, again, he's just a, kind of a game manager. Um, he, he'll, he has moderate rushing uh, upside, which is great. Um, but LaShawn McCoy that year was just crushing. And I, and I actually see a fair amount of parallels. They're obviously not the same player, but between Shady and Eckler, um, where I see a thousand yard season for sure on the table for Austin Eckler, the pure runner, because I think he gets dogged on so much. Like, yes, he's a great pass catcher, but I think people underrate his running ability a little bit. Um, and I think he'll still get enough targets. Because, like, yeah, I think Justin Jackson could be a little bit more of the pummeler, more of the Mike Tolbert, uh, just to use that uh, 2017 Bills analogy there. But I really think that Eckler could be could be respectable. But he does have a super high ADP. He's currently, like, RB11, I think, on Fantasy Pros. Um, so I, I get the hesitation, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I could see him as, like, as like a mid-range RB, too. 
right? Or a high end, or I guess maybe like uh like uh like fifteen to eighteen, right? But like I can't take him at the eleven to uh, eleven to thirteen range. Me personally, there's there's other other running backs I think that that you could hit in that area that are gonna produce more touches. Like uh, I'm a big fan of. And again, because it's crazy because he's not going to see any competition, but it's David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I know we're not talking about that division, but like David Montgomery, like that's another guy. Like he's an unquestioned starter. I mean, yeah, okay, the team kind of sucks. You can't look at it with Mitch Trubisky, but like he's going to get 200 plus carries. Like where are you going to get running backs that are going to mm-hmm. get 200 plus carries in an offense uh-huh. for as cheap as you're going to get them with him? Like it's crazy. Yeah, and I think uh, like Maggie just got a little too uh, fancy in the pants last year try to get a little too creative and i think he'll dial it back this year and and simplify things and uh yeah i love montgomery this year yeah i'm taking montgomery i'm taking the discount on people seem to be shitting all over him Mm -hmm. too unbelievable Mm -hmm. so how do you feel about uh justin herbert's long term do you think he's going to be the answer there in la uh I think what they did good to get jersey sales going, right? Like you want a new building, you want a nice young quarterback for your eight-year-old and nine-year-old fans to get behind to buy the jerseys. They can they can uh, grow potentially, you know, like grow up watching like the Philip mm-hmm. Rivers, almost, yep. right? Of, of mm-hmm. the, like, their next generation. I get what they're trying to do. I don't see him being as good as the Philip Rivers was for that organization. Um, it's crazy too, like the fall he had, right? Like I don't know if you guys remember, but like he after he had that little eight game stint and he came out in Oregon, like he was touted as like a top quarterback coming out potentially mm-hmm. a one oh one. It was in, in super flex drafts, and then kind of fell back down to earth. And then it was the second I was that was an afterthought until really the draft uh, came back in, into light, and you're like, oh yeah, I remember Justin Herbert's around. Mm-hmm. Then there was smoke screen about Miami really wanting him, and like I don't really think that was ever true. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know I don't know I I don't I don't see his I don't see his game uh, just mashing well with that organization. I mean they're not they're not a top organization for me. They seem to just be like uh, tur- turning the wheels and not really going anywhere. Uh, they have talent. Absolutely do, but they don't seem to ever want to protect their quarterback. They always seem to have problems with uh, rookie signings, whether it be like Joey Bosa or like anything. Like they just don't like. There's something wrong with that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were alluding it to before. Uh, I think it's weird that two stars in your organization somehow go down with lacerations of the kidney. Like the whole organization is just weird. I used to think it was uh, the Raiders, but I actually think the Raiders are are the team to watch in this division besides obviously kansas city like i said they're the kings of the kings but i think the raiders if they can get their shit together with Mariota, are the ones to actually fear it's not the chargers and i don't think it's denver mm-hmm. fair yeah absolutely so well, hit, i just want to say really quickly that keenan allen is still a top 12 wide receiver and everybody needs to stop treating him like he's not i just want to put that out there into the world so everybody knows I don't think we really need a deep dive on him or really, honestly, any of these pass catchers. I'm not super whatever, but God damn it. Stop disrespecting Keenan Allen. <laughs> Can I ask about uh, um, what's Keenan Allen's uh, overall wide receiver ranking of points per game? So like I know his season overall rank, he's a top 12, but, but what is he in points per game? Like career wise? 
even just last year, if you want to pull that up, I, I don't know what it is. Are you are you trying to suggest to me that he is more of a boom bust? Uh, I'm just suggesting that he goes on stretches where he yeah. does not give you wide receiver one numbers. That's fair. This is fair. Um, but yeah, he does finish. At, like, I'm not putting him in the Amari Cooper uh, category because Amari Cooper is just absolutely crazy. Uh, digging into him, I found out. Uh, I hope you don't put this in your pod. But in 2017, he had 52% of his uh, fantasy production in three games. And then in 2018, he had 52% of his fantasy production in three games. Like, it's crazy. Like he's, I'm not saying Keenan Allen's ever there, but he does disappear for a couple couple games. They just That's don't fair. happen to be those week 14, 15, 16 games that you need them, but they are there. They are there. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right, any last thoughts here? Uh We'll wrap it up. Uh, but any last thoughts here about the AFC West? Uh, yeah, I think for for the purposes of fantasy players that I'm really looking into uh, targeting for dynasty are like my number like for quarterbacks is Drew Locke for Superflex. If I'm going to start up, uh, I'm I'm loving the Drew Locke, and then it's funny because I'm actually stacking Car and Mariota with them, and then just writing out who's going to win it. I like it. <laughs> I respect that. And then um, for just because like that, that's just the way like I don't really build my teams that way. But if I'm not going to be heavy and I want to want to smash uh, running backs early and then that, that that's the way I seem to be going. Uh, and again, for, for fantasy, my number one guy that I'm, I seem to be grabbing in the running back room is, is Lynn Vogt because of his depressed ADP and his dual designation tag that he's going to end up having in fantasy. Uh, um it's almost a cheat code when you can get a guy that's that's tagged as a wide receiver and a running back. And I don't know how he is in MLF or sorry MFL, but uh, he is that in sleeper. And I only think it's going to be time that he gets a dual tag anyway. So like he's my number one because I'm not really paying for C uh, CEH in in the rookie premiums. Mm-hmm. I do have like one or two one or two uh, shares, but that's just because they came in trades with, with some other options. My number my number one actual running back that I think for fantasy purposes and, and the rookies are uh is uh jk dobbins and then for 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 tight ends in this division it's kelsey or bust uh we talked about that i don't mm-hmm. there's nobody really in there that i like but and, and for the wide receivers we didn't really touch on them too much but it's brian edwards for me i think brian edwards is uh going to be the wide receiver to own in the Raiders offense. I think uh, his outstanding young breakout age and his incredible dominator rating in college just uh, speaks for itself. And the fact that he was drafted pretty highly in the 60s um, for the Raiders organization. Like I said, he's a top 100 pick. Uh, I think he went right after Lynn Bowden, actually. Uh, but, but he's the guy. So it's Brian Edwards in the wide receiver room and then uh, Lynn Bowden for me. Um, but I do think that they're going to be behind a lot, too, the Raiders. And have to throw a lot, so I do think there are going to be targets there because that organization was terrible too. Like looking into them, they had. Well, sorry to, to bring this up and kind of go a little long, but they had six out of nine of their losses were by eighteen or more points. That's so last oh, year. God, like it's brutal. <laughs> it says they're going to throw right. Like they're mm-hmm. not running that ball. Like you're not. And that's the only thing I don't like either. As uh, when people say like, "Oh, the Tennessee Titans need to run Derrick Henry more. They win more games. Derrick Henry has twenty plus rushes." Well, yeah, of course they do because they're running the clock, you need heads, and they already have the they already have the lead. They're that, that's the, the reason why. Often, yeah, yeah, it's it's causation, not correlation, right? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, but that like that's it for me. Like I said, I seem to be targeting a lot of Raiders players. Uh, 
if you can get your hands on any on any Chiefs Chiefs players, uh, if you want to pay the cost, you're going to be paying dearly. But like uh, like the Rams of a couple years ago, you just kind of want to hitch your wagon to any one of those players. But you think the quarterback is going to be potentially the QB one overall? Uh, you just try to get any any, any piece of action and mm-hmm. from from that offense. But like I said, for me, it's Kelsey because of the because of the, the tight end wasteland in there. But like yeah. I said, that, 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 that's it. Yeah, well, uh, that was great. Thank you so much for being on, Jim. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, why don't you tell the folks out there one more time where they can find you and, and hit you up? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at GoldJacketQBs. My DMs are always open. If you guys want to want to hit me up, uh, just ask a question or just anything fantasy football related or, or just life. Like uh, I'm, I'm around for uh, anybody. And you can catch all my work on uh, – TrueNorthFFB.com. Uh, we have an amazing, amazing group of guys there. I'm really, really happy to be a part of that team. Uh, go to go check those guys out. Go check out all all, all the team members there. There's uh, TCO14 uh, at Connor10. It's Harris Time TNFF Tyrell, and uh, we just oh, I want to screw up his Twitter name. Uh, JWW Nelson. We just got a uh, just got another guy to the to the crew. I'm really, really excited, man. Uh, we're we're doing some big things. Um, and I'm, I don't really want to say what we're we're getting ready to do, but but uh, they're they're exciting. Uh, I can't wait 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 to to unveil them to everybody. And then I got a podcast out there. If uh, any one of the any one of the people want to check it out, it's called uh, the Gold Jacket Podcast. Uh, just dropped our eighth episode, so it's still fairly new. Nice. Just doing division breakdowns right now, but uh, yeah, if you guys want to go check it out, uh, that'd be awesome. Thanks okay. again, guys, man, for having me. Love it. Yeah, Thanks for no, coming thank on. You. Yeah, this was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again for Jim coming on the episode. We really had a lot of fun with that. Um, as always, folks, you can find us on Twitter at Drinking Fantasy. Uh, you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. <laughs>